Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey everyone, Joe Zuccarello here again and uh, your host of the Hey Joe podcast. And uh, you know, every, every week we bring you subject matter experts and people that you might be able to find on your own as you go out and search for specific topics or, or, or information on specific topics. But the, topics, the topic we want to bring you this week uh, is one that's just so near and dear to us. And because we're in such an emotional-centered uh, industry, uh, this topic, we will all experience the need for more education and more knowledge and understanding of how to properly handle this topic, and that is senior pet care. And uh, more specifically, how do we as pet professionals uh, 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 position ourselves as not only the expert when pet parents come asking us for our advice, but also how do we accommodate the needs of senior pets while they're temporarily in our care, whether it's boarding or grooming or training, uh, I don't know how much training you do with a senior pet, but but definitely during boarding and 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 maybe even daycare, uh, but certainly also grooming. So I have a really special guest with us today on the Hey Joe podcast, and that is Lori Brush. She's a she's a veterinarian, uh, and I'm going to ask that she uh, does a lot more of, of the introduction of herself. Um, but she has an organization called Heaven at Home Pet Hospice, and it caught my attention because you think of hospice and you think of senior citizens or elderly human beings, right? Uh, and not necessarily hospice for pet beings, right? Our pet family members. So Lori, thank you so much for joining the Hey Joe podcast today. And would you, would you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and your organization? Thank you, Joe. I'm so happy to be here. We love to spread the word about pet hospice. I have been a veterinarian since 1998 and did routine care practice in, in the Michigan area. And um, a f about eight years ago now, coming up on eight years, I decided to start Heaven at Home Pet Hospice. And I did that after hearing speak people speak about hospice at an, a national veterinary conference. And I had done some house call practice, which I absolutely loved and saw the difference in how much more comfortable pets are at home and their people are with them and that's where they want to be for that end of life care process. So I started having it home. And this field of veterinary medicine has been rapidly growing. I'm part of an international association for animal hospice and palliative care that just had its 10th anniversary. So it's still, even though it's 10 years old, it's quite a new field in veterinary medicine and many people have still not heard of it. Well, and again, you know, when I, when, when you and I first started talking about this topic and, and bringing this to the Hey Joe listener audience, I was just intrigued by it because, you know, this is, 
we all face this and, and as a and pet owner or and a client of pet care providers, but also being a pet care professional and been in the industry for so long, every single time we, we encounter this, it's almost just as challenging and almost just as, uh, 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 I don't say awkward, but definitely challenging having that conversation. So anything that we can do to, to better equip our pet care providers out there with uh, uh, maybe some process improvement or maybe even some things that they can do to help communicate to the pet parent what they can do to make sure that their pets are taken care of during their, their latter stages of, of life. And because our pet care providers are 10, 12, 15 more times likely to see a pet in any particular year than even the pet's veterinarian, we are seen as that partner in the pet's care all the way up to uh, and including you know their end of days. And this end of life care for companion animals not only exists the need for that, not only exists in the uh, in home, but also in the professional pet care space. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the the uh, uh, old and cranky dog. So kind of tell us about what is old and cranky? What does that mean? What's going on with the pet when they're starting to get to that age and us pet care providers are starting to see those, those uh, uh, attributes, that personality starting to surface? Right. There are so many different things that can be going on with a senior pet. And I'll just put this in terms of dogs initially, but very often senior dogs have started to have a lot of arthritis. It can vary depending on their size. It might be everything from even their toes are arthritic to it hurts when they walk, when they try and get up, when they lay down. Bigger dogs tend to get very weak in their back end. That can be an arthritic change or a couple of disease processes that make it very hard for them to stand up or stay standing. And it's painful when they're trying to stand up or lay down in changing positions. Um, so often they can have some cognitive dysfunction that's part of the whole thing. They don't see as well. So you have to make sure you, you understand the difference there. But they might just see a shadow coming toward them, so they're startled more easily. They don't hear as well, so they're startled more easily for that reason. And they, they might not be as aware of where they are. They can get a little doggy Alzheimer's. It happens with cats, too. We can see them get some cognitive dysfunction, and they might have symptoms of getting more vocal, not recognizing people, barking at strange things, pacing at night just generally being more uncomfortable and having a hard time settling down. They might get stuck in the corner of the room. They start becoming incontinent, not so much because they have a urinary tract infection or bladder stones. Those are definitely things you wanna check out with your veterinarian or recommend that your clients have checked out by their veterinarian. But it may be a cognitive dysfunction issue. They might have a little Alzheimer's disease kind of stuff going on. So there's a long list of things that you as a pet professional to your listeners can do to help make that whole experience easier for the pet. Right. And it, I think in, in making it easier for the pet, we're probably in turn also making it easier for the pet parent. But what, so, so let's dive into that a little bit. So it, when we talk about our processes, what improvements, what areas should we be targeting. And I know that a lot of the Hey Joe listener audience out there, you've dealt with senior pets, but but I just encourage you to kind of fill in the gaps. What are maybe some of the tips that, that Lori's going to share with us that 
oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. Or, oh my gosh, I should go that one extra step because, you know, she's going to share with you now some process improvement uh, methods that, that uh, uh, might command maybe even some extra time allowance or, 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 and sometimes we're just not able to care. So there's, a, there's these, there's these, these triggers or, or these milestones or these check marks that are check boxes that we have to uh, uh, pay attention to. So as far as process improvement, so facility readiness and, you know, sometimes it's, it's noisy, it's busy. There's lots of other pets. There's lots of other people. What are some of your high points, uh, Lori, that you can talk to the Hey Joe listener audience about as far as facility readiness? Well, it, it can start right from the time of the appointment. You can talk to the client about what their dog's routine is. Do they wake up more slowly? You need to make sure they get outside and have their bathroom routine so they're not all uncomfortable already when they get there. And it might be something like making the time of the appointment at a better time of day for them. And then probably shortening up that time span because that pet is gonna get more uncomfortable. We know if they're in pain, they're more likely to bite. And some of them just because of the cognitive dysfunction are gonna be more likely to bite. So you can do, muzzles are always an option that I would recommend to keep everyone safe. But you can also use some big blankets to wrap around them or things to help them be comfortable but not feel like you're, you're pushing and prodding. And it might take two people to, to do this process. You know, a tow trim might not be a, Thing where they can just stand there on the table anymore or you might have to break it up into pieces you might have to do one foot and let them rest or lay down you do it even while they're laying down so let me let me ask you a quick question because you said something about muzzles and i and i agree and it keeps everybody safe but i would think that also maybe sometimes we forget that that some of that pain comes from uh, uh dental hygiene issues and uh, it's sometimes even years of neglect or, or uh, maybe when putting a muzzle on, we're actually, uh, do you see that we could also, we could be actually compounding the, uh, the, the pain issue? You, you, I doubt you're compounding it, but you want to make it sure it's a muzzle that, that fits appropriately and that they can breathe through. Basket muzzles can work. Um, if you are, if Many times groomers now are helping to clean a dog's teeth, do some brushing for them. You're gonna be the first person who sees this dog has gingivitis, his gums are bleeding, he hurts when I touch this tooth, he pulled away or, or yelped. So you are the person who can say to them, you need to get to the veterinarian, this dog needs some dental health. Dental health is a huge problem in our senior pets. As those teeth, their mouth gets of bacteria. When you see all that buildup, you can just visualize the bacteria running around in there and that can travel. It can travel to their heart, their kidneys, lungs. It can cause some other problems for them. So it's definitely, it's not the thing you see and they, I have many clients who will make their dogs all pretty by having them groomed regularly, but then they're not doing anything about their, their dental health, their oral health care. And there are quite a few things we can do that that's too long a list for this, <laughs> this podcast, but have them talk to their veterinarian. One of the other things that's really important, I think, when these senior pets are coming into your facility is can they walk in there easily? 
Many of them are already nervous that they're going into a strange place. You wanna make sure they're not struggling to stay standing on a slippery floor. You might need to put up yoga mats for them to walk on. That gives them a little traction. You can get office supply floor mats that you turn upside down and, and they have some cushion and grip for them to lay on. You could ask the clients to bring their own beds in with them. You might even be able to provide a heated bed, but you could definitely provide something that's up off the floor so it's a little warmer and some blankets. Um, let's see, I had well, some other yeah, and I think too, sometimes I think our pet care providers, you know, we're always, it seems like everybody's always so, so busy and this commands a different, uh, you know, it commands a different approach to, uh, uh, to, to taking care of this particular pet. So do you see pet care providers, are, are you seeing that they're putting sometimes uh, uh, the senior pets at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day? Is that a safer practice for the for the, the, the pet care provider and especially for the senior pet, do you see any trends there that you might recommend? Most definitely. And I think it needs to be not just the time of day, but how long the appointment is. Maybe they can't do everything they're used to having done in one appointment anymore. Maybe it needs to be spread out a little bit. Are they going to be, because as, as you know, they've, they've got to get there. They've had the ride in the car. Is that a stressful thing? They might not be able to get them right home afterwards. They, they might be getting cold where they are. So our senior pets are definitely more susceptible to, to getting chilled. Cats, you could provide a heated cat bed for them. Dogs, you could even consider there are some different mats and pads that are warm. Um, electric heating pads aren't such a great idea unless you're really sure they can get up off them if they get too warm. But there are some safe heat things that you can do now and some that cool in the summer. There are cool, cool gel pads that you could get to put in the, in the pet's uh, cage or wherever he's going to be staying while you're, you're keeping him there to groom. You know what, uh, you just, you said something and I wrote a big note as soon as you mentioned it. You said something about, you know, the time might need to be broken up between maybe a, a couple different appointments or maybe even abandoning doing a particular service that maybe that pet just won't tolerate anymore. But you said something that I wrote down and I want to come back to, and that is I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, we think about the pet's time with us as pet care providers, but we do not necessarily take into full consideration how long that whole process has taken for that elderly pet, for that senior pet, that is getting up, getting ready, getting to the car, getting through the car ride, getting from the car to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the, to the salon or to the, to the pet care provider's place of business. And then all of that has to happen in reverse after that time when they're with us in our care. So that it could be it's a long day. It's a long them. day. <laughs> and then you've got what just recovery, right? So you've got afterward, how long does it take? In your opinion, um, what kind of toll does that take on on that senior pet for recovery once they get back home from their full day? Oh, it's so hard on them. I've, I've talked to clients who won't take their pet back into the groomer anymore because it was too stressful for him. It was too long a day. They come home and they collapse. They sleep or it takes them a couple of days to recover from that experience. 
There might yeah. even be to consider for them that you could suggest if, you know, maybe they need an in-home groomer, someone who can come to them or doing that shortened up visit where you're just worrying about their eyes and ears and, and the mats in their feet and simplifying what, what you do for them. Well, and that's, and that sometimes being the best care provider is recommending an alternative method of care, even if it means we're not able to care for that pet any longer. And, you know, pet parents, myself included, we, we, we continue to kind of do this to ourselves. We know we're going to outlive pets. We know we're going to outlive probably numerous pets in our lifetime, right? If we're, if we're fortunate enough to, to have pets in our lives and by recommending to the pet parent at a certain particular time that it might be best that they find an alternative care provider that can do something in the home doesn't mean necessarily that you lose that client forever. It just means that for that moment, you might be taking a break from servicing that client, right? Until maybe that pet does uh, 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 spend the last days, you know, on the planet, but then when they rebound and they get another pet, then you're back into the picture. So uh, I think that's real important to, to mention is that sometimes uh, uh, recommending alternative care is the best care you can provide. Yep. And it might make them more li likely to be back to you in the end. You know, they know your interest was for the pet's comfort and that's what you first, because this is the, the hardest part of a, of a pet's life and decision-making process for caregivers. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, so that kind of, kind of drives us to what I think is the second part of our podcast time together. Uh, and just a reminder to all of the Hey Joe listener audience out there, we're talking with Lori Brush, who's a veterinarian, and uh, she uh, 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 operates a, uh, an organization called Heaven at Home Pet Hospice, and it is end-of-life care uh, for companion animals. And if you go to paragonpetschool.com, you can uh, 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 find all of the information you want to and, and find out how to maybe contact her, maybe even ask uh, additional questions and such, or just to learn about more what you can do as a pet care provider, uh, as a pet professional uh, for pet parents and, and, and their pets as, uh, uh, as they end their, as they, as they reach nearing the end of their life here and, and during their senior care. But obviously senior care can go on for quite some time. So let's talk about now, what role are uh, 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 the pet professionals out there, the Hey Joe listener audience out there, what role can they play when helping the pet parents understand what to do with a pet in, in, in their latter days of, of life, in their senior days of life? And what's interesting is that all of us go through that at least once. Most of us go through it once, but all of us go through it for the first time. So... Um, our pet care providers, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, we're probably seeing that pet 10, 12, 15 more times per year than that pet's veterinarian. So we're the resident expert during those times. What, what, can, what recommendations, what tools, what, what can we give our, our pet care professionals out there to help them talk to the pet parents during these times? Well, they're definitely the first line. The, the boarders, the groomers, the trainers, daycare providers, these are the people who are seeing the pets, often touching them extensively. They're gonna be the first ones to know that something has changed, that something's not quite right, that maybe that pet's routine has changed, 
they're getting crankier, they can't stand as long as they used to, they're a real fall risk. And we know that our seniors need routine and each pet's life is gonna tell its own story. They all have their own personality. So it's gonna be a very individualized thing. But you can talk to your, you're, you're gonna see when you're looking at them, um, is this pet now having some skin problems it never had before? Is this a change, a condition that should be really addressed or does he just need to be groomed more frequently? Um, you might be the first one to notice eye changes. When this pet's eyes are getting all these goobers and gloppy stuff in them, that's normal. And if they haven't been to their veterinarian to find out what they can do to prevent that, you are the first person who says, this is probably a change that could be dry eye or indicate some other kind of disease and you can help this to make it more comfortable. I think very often pets, the pet parents have no idea how miserable their pet's eyes can be when, they're, when they have all that discharge and they're really dried out. I, as a veterinary student, when I was in school, had my 17-year-old dog Herkimer, and I hadn't realized how bad his eyes had gotten. And I was in vet school. I was looking at him every day. But he had all this discharge from his eyes, and I finally realized that he had a condition called dry eye, and I had the ophthalmologist see him, but it was very treatable. We had to do some things to make him more comfortable because he was pretty miserable with those eyes. But they're not walking around saying, ow, 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 <laughs> or my eyes are really bothering me. You know, you just have to pay attention to the signs. Might have rubbed him a little more. He had a lot of discharge and they looked different. And that was the main thing you are going to see as a pet professional. This has changed. This needs to be addressed. So there, there gets to a point where uh, uh, the pet care professional is not only pointing these things out, and I think, you know, we've all probably experienced, hey, there's a new lump or a new bump. And now we do have to be careful that we're not also trying to diagnose. And that was always one of my uh, uh, guiding principles for the teams that I've led in, in, in pet services was be careful you're not diagnosing because we're not the veterinarian. We're calling attention to it, but don't overstep our bounds. That's so true because I've had many people tell me, well, that lump's been there a while. The groomer told me I didn't need to worry about it. Well, you did need to worry about it. So there are many lumps and bumps that we can't know without doing something like a fine needle aspiration or a little mini biopsy what it is. And some people make those palliative care end-of-life decisions that they're not going to do anything anyway for a lump. They wouldn't make any changes. So it's really, it's a whole set of things that go into this. But you, if you're discovering something new as a pet care provider to point it out to them, if they've never seen it, they don't pet him that way. This is, you're going to find the most subtle things doing what you do. So you can let him know he's lame now. He hurts when his toes are handled. Um, you can find activity and behavior changes too. Is he getting snappy because there's something that hurts? They need to go to their veterinarian and find out. But there are so many things that pet professionals can do and know in advance to help those old and cranky dogs be happy older senior pets. 
this, well, and we don't want to we don't want to freak out the pet owners also, right? So we don't want to over exaggerate. We don't want to panic them, but we also there's also that balance where we also don't want to underplay or be dismissive about what it is. But certainly in any case, we don't want to diagnose. So there's got to be that. How do you recommend for for pet care providers to kind of walk that happy medium? Is it is it observe and report? Is that the safest? Uh, 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 process to follow, do you think? Oh yeah, that's exactly how I would observe and report. That's a wonderful way to put it. So that's all you can do is point out to them what is there. Look, I just feel this. This is a is a new lump. I I would suggest you have this checked out by your veterinarian. That's probably as as much as you need to say. Or these changes in his eyes concern me. I think he's pretty uncomfortable you should probably see your veterinarian to find out if there's something to help him be more comfortable. And there could be that delicateness of the conversation too, where maybe it's a, a lack of affordability uh, 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 option for the pet parents. So we also don't wanna make them feel guilty. So I think that that direction of observe and report, observe and report, and, and, and part of the observation and the reporting could be if it changes, if the lump gets bigger, right? or or, or but it's still always that nice, safe, I, I like to stay kind of agnostic or stay kind of Switzerland in these conversations because, <laughs> because it, l listen, I've seen the best, most caring individuals get themselves into trouble because they're either seen as under, uh, 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 putting uh, not enough importance behind their comment or over, uh, overdoing it or making somebody feel guilty. I've actually had a pet parent report to me that a staff member made them feel uh, uh, guilty because they weren't getting treatment. And we, we just have to be careful. We have to be sensitive. That's a very delicate conversation. I bet that's one of the big challenges, challenges of, your, of your job as pet professionals, to walk that fine line. And you might find some resources for like they're in Grand Rapids. We have an organization called Pets in Need. There's an organization called Frankie's Friends that helps people who can't afford it do surgeries that are needed for their pets. I have seen people who say they can't afford to go to the vet, but they're having their dog groomed regularly. You know, those are, those are tough trade-offs. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's probably a whole separate conversation to have. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. Well, I'm sure uh, based on the feedback we get from our audience, I'm sure we're going to have lots of questions and, and additional time together, uh, at least on one or more uh, uh, future episodes. So, you know, so let's talk now about that, that conversation when, when the pet care provider may need to uh, provide some of that, that, that final conversation or that final advice. Uh, for a pet parent, and that's kind of the how will the pet parent know when it's time, right? And and again, really, really tricky, tricky, delicate conversation. And of course, you know, I always like to defer back to the medical professionals for this uh, for consultation as well. But one of the things that you're making available to us that you found is a resource uh, uh, produced by the Ohio State University Veterinary Medical Center, uh, and it's titled "How Will I Know." And this is a, I, I, I got to tell you, this is probably one of the most complete and, and, and professional and friendly uh, 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 resources that you're going to share with us. And we're going to now share with the podcast audience. So 
uh, uh, all of our podcast audience members out there, you can go to paragonpetschool.com and we're going to put uh, 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 you uh, uh, in touch with, we're gonna actually provide you a way to, to download uh, this document and it's assessing quality of life and making difficult decisions for your pet. So this might provide pet care professionals out there a way to kind of navigate that conversation without even really having to have that conversation. Right. It's something you can recommend for the pet parents that they go to this website and it helps you think about all the different aspects of your pet's life and making those decisions. What's important to you? What's important to your pet? How can you see it from your pet's point of view? And I think those are very, very valuable resources. Yeah, I know um, that it talks about, you know, questions to ask yourself before making a treatment decision surgery or chemotherapy, making the difficult decisions, uh, anticipatory grief. What are you going to experience at that moment or, or, or after euthanasia? And, and, you know, let's face it, guys, this is one of those things that it's, it's going to happen. So what can we do to be, uh, uh, to be that resource for our pet parents out there, for our clients out there? And so again, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Lori is, is making this, she's sharing this resource with us. It's not something she created, but something she found and not something we created, but something that we found through her, but we feel that it's, it's, it's appropriate enough and solid enough to definitely make sure that you have uh, access to that. And you're going to want to go to paragonpetschool.com so that you can uh, gain access to this really great resource. Uh, and, and Lori, to kind of wrap things up with our podcast audience, um, what, when you talk about in-home hospice, okay, what what does that look like? And do you think are there providers part of your organization? Is that I know you said it's international. Um, if they want to find out if there's a hospice provider in their area, is there a directory of sorts? Yeah, there are a couple of directories you should know about. Um, there is a pet hospice directory. I just looked it up earlier. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, just an, a pet hospice directory. It's a national, I think it's under pet finders and it's, it's a national directory. You just put in your location and you can find a pet hospice provider near you. And the wonderful thing about hospice or end of life care, palliative care providers is you know, if, if you're having to choose between doing a surgery or keeping your pet comfortable, they're going to be the ones who know what's, how to guide you on that path. So many of my clients feel totally abandoned when they get that um, terminal life-limiting kind of diagnosis. Your pet has cancer. Your pet has this going on. We don't expect that he's going to live long without surgery. And then not everyone wants to put a senior pet through that. Not everyone wants to make the financial decision that's sometimes involved in a, in a very senior pet. So there are lots of factors and realities to deal with. And that honoring the bond program through the OSU vet school is wonderful, the guidelines they have. Yeah, I agree completely. Lori, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Hey Joe podcast. Uh, I'm sure that we 
uh, covered quite a bit of ground as I normally do in my podcast, but I hope that all of our pet care professionals out there, pet service providers out there, uh, have, have, have learned one thing that they can take from this to make that elderly pets, that senior pets experience while in their care even that much more comforting or comfortable, but certainly arming our pet care providers out there with uh, some, some tools and some resources when it comes to helping the pet parents kind of navigate these waters as well. Thank you so much, Laurie. We appreciate it. And uh, we wish you and your organization the very best. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I, I hope everyone does well. And the main things I'd say you should think about are pain control for those senior pets. Make sure they're, they've got something to keep them comfortable. And another thought is should providers have an advanced directive for their pets. We are talking end of life care in my field, but should you have information about what they want done if the pet has a crisis? Definitely have the veterinarian's name and the contact information handy. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Take care.